I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. With Lee Lonsberry, from Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, Texas, and all the breaking news. Hear it on Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This relatively new segment we call the Top Two at Two. The Top Two Stories at Two O'Clock. Uh, 2.06 is the time here in the KSL newsroom. And the the way I I determine, along with the rest of the team here, what stories fit into this category of the top two at two, I think about what I might like to discuss with my own family. As I head home at the end of the day and find myself around the dinner table with my beautiful wife and little baby Piper, uh, I I think, what would I like to discuss? What is big and important in the world that's worthy of time at our kitchen table? And uh, if you can... Picture yourself uh, chatting about the things of the world, uh, and as you sit around the kitchen table, uh, do so tonight. I hope that this segment uh, can help you with that. And listen, still evolving, still figuring out the criteria, so I want you to be a part of that decision making. Uh, it's it's not set in stone necessarily as we lead up to this program or this segment each day. So the text message line will always be wide open. Five seven five zero zero is the uh, Utah Community Credit Union text line, and uh, I'd like to hear from you as we start the show each day. If something jumps out, you let me know. Uh, we're going to start uh, the top story today. It just has to be executive orders. Executive orders. We are seeing something transpire day after day. Now we're three days into the Biden administration. And uh, President Joe Biden has, in each of those three successive days, signed multiple executive orders. A quick recap from a topic of earlier in the program. Executive orders are essentially unilateral decisions made by a president, uh, and it sets out and lays out rules that are wide-reaching and, in fact, have the force of law. Yeah, you can, you can face serious consequences if you violate some of the rules contained within executive orders. No, I, I know what you're thinking. As I, as I say that, you might be thinking, hold on a second, I thought, we had, I thought we had the legislative branch to handle the lawmaking. How can uh, the executive, how can the president of the United States unilaterally? Well, you see, Congress has been up to something over the years. As it passes various bits of legislation, it will occasionally relinquish power to the executive branch. It will occasionally contain with the bills it writes, write things that allow the executive branch to do things that before that bill wouldn't exactly be possible. And they do that, at least I believe uh, they do that, uh, in an effort of self-preservation. Because sometimes there are hard decisions to make. And sometimes if you make the wrong decision, especially if you are a holder of public office, one day hoping to court voters again, 
and send you to Washington or to the state house or to wherever uh, your office leads you. Sometimes you don't want to be on the hook for the consequences of a bad decision. And you may look down the road at some future decision you may have to make and see that there's a, a, a no-win situation to come of that. And so why not, why not offload that no-win responsibility to the White House? And the White House is very happy to accept that authority. And that incremental pattern has taken place time after time, time after time. A little bit given, a little bit taken, a little bit given away by Congress, a little bit taken by the executive branch, specifically the president. And it has led us to the situation in which we find ourselves today, that every four or eight years, the president spends the first chunk of uh, their administration undoing the executive orders of the previous administration. That was day one of the Biden administration. And you'll notice we haven't gotten into an argument here revolving around the merits of any of these executive orders. I haven't talked to you about whether or not you know the executive order on DACA was appropriate. I haven't gotten into whether or not it was appropriate for President Joe Biden to you know sign executive orders ranging from you know all of the topics that were covered on Monday or I'm sorry, on the the first day of the administration when over a dozen executive orders were signed. Most of them, most of them were aimed at undoing executive orders signed by the Trump administration. The reason we haven't gotten into the merits of it is because uh, my view is you can't do the right thing the wrong way. We can't do the right thing the wrong way. The right thing may very well be contained within the executive order, but you do so uh, if if you do that right thing the wrong way or by signing an executive order. What happens is, number one, you betray one of the precious principles of our government that there is a separation of powers and that there are certain checks and balances in place. You erode those away a bit. And... And the other point I'd make is that by allowing policy to change so swiftly, you eliminate certainty and predictability. And those are important features in the thriving and success of, uh, of a community, of a city, of a county, of a state, of a business. If you don't know, you know, from one day to the next, uh, what the future holds or what the rules are governing either your area of business or uh, the place where you live, how can you make business decisions? How can you organize a community? How can you legislate at, say, a local level reliably if the next president can just upend everything and make moot all you have done? It's one of the evils of uh, an overuse of executive orders. I say overuse because you know what? There are appropriate times. There are uh, you know emergency powers that are, are wholly appropriate. Sometimes the world changes so swiftly there's not time for debate in the committees or on the House or Senate floor. That doesn't mean that we should be seeing them in the high volume of numbers we've been seeing them thus far. President Joe Biden, his first three days, setting records. Uh, second story. Of the top two at two is the impeachment. We have gotten a little bit closer to seeing what a timeline may look like for the impeachment. 
It's expected that Speaker Pelosi, along with uh, managers appointed by her, will follow the acting sergeant-at-arms of the House over to the Senate and deliver to the Senate the article of impeachment against President Donald Trump. What happens at that moment is the official start of the Senate trial. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we will see the Senate managers and the House or the, the House managers rather. We won't see them uh, pleading the case. We won't see necessarily the president's defense team as soon as that's assembled together. It doesn't kick off in that fashion immediately. In fact, it's been telegraphed by by folks on both sides of this issue uh, that early February may be a good and appropriate time to start. That accomplishes two goals. It allows the president to uh, it allows President Trump rather to bring together his defense team. And it also allows the Biden administration to in these first days of his time in office to get through maybe a few extra uh, Senate confirmations fill a few few more roles and get his feet under him as he uh, embarks on on this chapter of American history. Kind of a win-win for both both if we push it off to February. Now that's again of course setting aside the natural debate as to whether or not we should even see a Senate trial, but uh, presuming there will be one and it's looking like there will be, pushing it back to February seems to be uh, a fine move for all involved. All right, quick break when we return. Interesting topic coming up next, and it has to do with those bonuses, those $1,500 bonuses for teachers across the state of Utah. What about substitute teachers? Should they get a bonus? We'll discuss that next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 